Hello and welcome to the Going Deutsch podcast, a weekly podcast about the wonderful world of German football brought to you by the Sports Blitz. And I'm going to try and make sure my microphone isn't as bad as it was in the last episode because I, I realised after recording it that I was way too close to the microphone. And you are meant to be close to these microphones, uh, but the one I've got, it says, you know, be practically touching it. But uh, it clearly wasn't very sound advice because there were problems with the last episode, and I do acknowledge that. But fingers crossed, being a bit further away will be better this time around. Anyway, welcome to the show today. I hope you're doing well. I hope this podcast finds you in good health as per usual. Remember to go to anchor.fm forward slash the sports blitz to find out where you can play this podcast. You can also play it there or you can keep doing what you're doing because you're currently playing a podcast at the moment. And really, when it comes to playing podcasts, you're worthy of promotion to a higher league. What higher league? I don't know because there's no podcast playing league. That would be really weird. And remember to go to the Sports Blitz website for writing about German football and other sports. Coming up around the time of this podcast's publication, either before or after, there's going to be the La Liga review, the Championship season review, and as well as them, there's going to be updates on the Giro d'Italia as well. So, obviously, there's only four games to cover in this week's episode. There's the games from the playoff for promotion to the Bundesliga and the games for promotion to the Zweite Bundesliga. Or, of course, if you want to look at it another way, relegation to the Zweite Bundesliga and relegation to the Dritte Liga. It depends which side of the coin you're looking at this from and what position in the league you're coming into the game from. So... Let us start with the battle to be in the Bundesliga next season, whether that's staying in the Bundesliga or going up to the Bundesliga. And that takes us to the Olympiastadion in Berlin for the first game between Hertha Berlin and Hamburg. And the first game finished 1-0 to Hamburg. I'll be honest, it wasn't exactly an all-time great game. It was very sort of low on entertainment. Not the worst game, we saw out of the four that are going to be reviewed in this episode because, good God, one of them was even worse. But everything was forgotten because of the goal that gave Hamburg the win. What a goal it was from Ludovic Rice. It was sort of like, it was from a position where you would only expect to cross the ball. Absolutely, if you're in a position to watch the highlights, go and do so. They should be on the Bundesliga's website, no matter where you are that might not apply in Germany I know there's actually genuinely a few German listeners to this show which is fascinating to me but uh, yeah you should be able to see the goals on the Bundesliga's website and yeah it was from a position you'd only expect to cross the ball and Ludovic Rice was still able to chip the keeper Oliver Christiansen from that area it was fantastic really good goal to be honest it felt like one of them games, for, for most of it, where neither side deserved to win. Because neither side played particularly well. But, you know, you have that one moment of brilliance from Hamburger. And for that reason, they took the win. That was the only goal. It was that one moment of inspiration in 90 minutes where nobody showed much of anything. And while it was concerning for Hertz, because obviously they were 1-0 down going into the away leg and... They hadn't exactly put in an inspiring performance. They were... I mean, I don't want to say they edged it because, well, they were bad as well. But, like, for most of the game, it felt like they were less bad. But still, you know, you have such a demoralising hit like that at home. You have that one moment of brilliance separating you from your opponents. And I I worried a lot for Hertha going into that second leg. If you remember back to last episode, I said that I thought Hamburg... We're going to claim promotion. And this really validated that view for me. Because even though they didn't play well at all. They had that one moment of brilliance. And that gave them the all-important lead. Entering the second game at the Volkspark Stadion. I was entirely convinced Hamburg were going to take the win. I thought there was no way they were going to blow it now. And they did. Because the second leg finished, Hamburger nil, Hertha Berlin 2. 
And with that, Hertha Berlin retain their place in the Bundesliga. And they needed to get off to a very fast start in this game. They needed to show they could put in a good, dominant performance against lower-tier opposition, and they did that. Four minutes on the clock when a cross came in and found the head of Diedrich Boyata. It's his first goal of the season for Hertha Berlin captain. First time he scored this season. And oh boy, did he pick his moment to get his first goal of the season. They needed that. They needed a fast start. If For me, if Hertha had gone through the opening 20 minutes and not scored, it would have been really rocky from there on in. They would have really struggled against Hamburg. But they were the better side. Again, it wasn't an, a great performance from them. They weren't all-conquering. They were the least bad side in this game too. But they did enough. And Hamburg had obviously scored that goal in the first leg from a position where you'd almost certainly expect to cross. Well, anything Hamburg can do, Hertha can do too. In the 63rd minute, they took the lead in this tie overall. Marvin Plattenhart scoring a free kick from an area... Very similar, actually, to the one from which Rice scored. In the sense, like I said, that you don't only expect to cross. It was a very similar position. The other side of the box, though. And he got it over the head of Hamburg keeper Hoya Fernandez, And that was it. Hertha were 2-0 up. They were in the lead. And to be honest, Hamburg didn't really put up a proper fight all game. At half-time, when they were obviously only losing 1-0 because the second goal came in the 63rd minute. I've already forgotten if I've mentioned that. But at half-time, when they were losing 1-0, their expected goals was zero. Zero. Not 0.1, not 0.2, not 0.3. They would be bad enough. But zero. That bad. And it's not like it got a million times better in the second half. They were just bad through the entire game. They didn't really show any life. And it feels like another one of those Hamburg late season collapses that they've had in the fighter in the past where they've just not been able to do anything. And this fear of failure almost has had this crippling inability to do anything afterwards. It is worth pointing out that Lucas Tassart got sent off in something like the 94th minute, 94th, 96th. It meant absolutely nothing. Because the game only went on after that for somewhere in the region of 10 seconds. The, the game was over. It was clear at that point. It was clear before he got sent off. It was still clear after he got sent off. It just did not matter. So, 2-1 overall. Hertha staying in the Bundesliga. Let's have a look at what it means for both sides. Well, for Hertha Berlin, the side who constantly go, Oh, we're going to get in Europe this year. We're going to be great this year. Just you wait because we're going to be that big city club we've always dreamed of being. This, I want to say that this should be a wake-up call, but to be honest, last season should have been a wake-up call. The season before that should have been a wake-up call. Frankly, every season for a long time should have been a wake-up call. They've changed things around, yes, but it feels like the structure that's sort of in place that's making them fail this much is still there. I don't know what the answer is for Hertha anymore. Maybe Freddie Bobic makes a lot of good signings in the summer. Maybe he doesn't. Who knows if Felix McGaff says. I would probably say don't keep him. He's done a decent job, but he did a decent job in the interim. And to be honest, if I were Hertha, I'd be targeting one of those new young up-and-coming managers who can, you know, take the club to the next level. Obviously, it's too late to sign him, but Stefan Bumgart from Köln, that sort of, when, when Köln were in this position last year, they hired one of the younger, promising, up-and-coming managers who obviously hadn't had too much experience in the Bundesliga, but his hiring has taken Köln to the next level, and Hertha needs to look for who their Stefan Baumgart is going to be. I would seriously advise against hiring McGaff. He's done a good job. He's kept Hertha up, obviously, at the expense of his former club, which he didn't seem too thrilled about after the game. And, you know, that's understandable if he's got close attachments to the side. But why you would have close attachments to Hamburg is beyond me. Or at least Hamburger Sport Club. <laughs> the city, sure, lovely city. <laughs> but 
yeah, for me, they should absolutely go down the path of hiring a young up-and-coming manager. I don't know who that is, I'll be perfectly honest. Maybe Thomas Rice from Buckham. No, he's not young, young, but, you know, in terms of... He's he's not the type of manager they've been going for in the past. They've tried to go for people with either strong links to Hertha Berlin or famous managers from 10 years ago. Like when they hired Klinsman and like this when they've hired McGaff. Get a young manager, get a promising manager and get a, a squad of not players who are going to feel like playing for Hertha is sort of like a low, but players who are going to be really happy to be at Hertha and are going to really fight as hard as possible because only on of a big city club in Berlin, and the reason they're the big city club is that they have players who are really hungry to play for them and a manager who enables them to play as well as they can. A talented manager and a good recruitment staff behind that manager who picks the right players. Hertha need to replicate that, and at the moment, I worry that they won't be able to. But Hertha are in the Bundesliga, like I said, Last time out, if they had been relegated, it would have been really catastrophic. It would have been terrible for them. So, it is something at least that they are staying in the Bundesliga. For Hamburg... Oh, buddy. Buddy, 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 buddy. It's their fifth straight season in this fighter now. Or it will be their fifth straight season in this fighter. Confirmed. Again, with Hamburg, I don't know what the problem is. I'll take my St. Pauli cap off. It's not been on. I, I need to buy a St. Pauli cap. I said this in the last episode. I still haven't bought one. I also want a St. Pauli mug. Anyway. I don't know what the answer is anymore. Because, you know, for a lot of those years in the Svita, they've had the best side in the league on paper. And it's just not worked. And, and this year, everything sort of seemed to be coming together. They had the manager, they had the players. Obviously, they'd lost Simon Toroda, which wasn't great. But then again, they didn't get promoted with Simon Toroda either. So, didn't mean much, clearly. It feels like, for me, the, the biggest problem at Hamburg... You look at the side who went up ahead of them. You look at Schalke and Werder Bremen, and they both had these small crises. We mentioned them last week. And they made the correct decision afterwards. Obviously, with Werder, it was the vaccination scandal with Marcus Anfang. They then hire Ali Werner, and he takes them to promotion. And with Schalke, they were sort of on the verge of being way out of the promotion race, too far out of the promotion race. They fired the Greek manager, whose name I really struggle with. They brought back Mike Buskins. And that was enough to take them to the title. It feels like Hamburg haven't been able to do that. And in fact, as soon as the going gets tough, the tough don't get going. And they just sort of shrink and are incapable of doing what's needed. That's why over the last few years you've seen these late season collapses. I thought they'd got over that. I thought they'd got over that this year. They got into the playoff when obviously in the past they've failed to do that, and that was going to be it, that was going to be the difference, momentum was going to carry them. But in both games against Hertha, and I know Hertha have got talented players, obviously Hertha have got talented players, but in both games they, they looked flat, and bar that one moment from Rice, they did nothing at all, they were, they were hopeless. So do you go and buy better players? Do you go and replace the manager again? What do you do? What's the answer? I don't know. I genuinely don't know. What I do know, and again, this is with my St. Pauli cap firmly off, is that they're not a club who should be in the Spider. They should be in the Dritter. <laughs> no, I'm joking. They're not a club who should be in the Spider, and they've got all of the resources available to them to claim a place in the Bundesliga. You know, size and revenue are not a problem. But something is. Something about the culture of the club is. And it's really hard to say when they're going to overcome their problems and get back into the Bundesliga. So, Hamburger in the fight for next season. And of course, that means matches against St. Pauli. I'm sure they're thrilled, especially with their recent record against St. Pauli. 
Obviously, Hamburg are disappointed that they'll be returning to the Zweiter Bundesliga, but one side would be happy about being in the Zweiter Bundesliga next season, either Kaiserslautern or Dynamo Dresden, as they played in the battle to take the final place in the Zweiter Bundesliga for the upcoming 2022-23 season. The first game was at the Fritz Walter Stadion in Kaiserslautern and finished 0-0, and it was boring. I mean, there's not much more to say about it. Kaiserslautern probably should have won. You know, XG isn't the be-all and end-all, but Dresden had an XG of 0.05. Kaiserslautern had an XG of 1.11. That is significantly higher. So, on a purely statistical basis, they should have at least got something. But the thing is, they, they had 14 shots. Dresden only had two. So, you know, one per half. And... Despite that, only two of Kaiserslautern's shots were on target. Still one more than Dresden. They had one shot on target, one shot off. But, you know, you expect more. So, yeah, it wasn't exactly an all-time classic. And even though, you know, Kaiserslautern kept getting into attacking opportunities, it's not like they were taking those chances that they were being offered. Still, and I feel like we've talked about this before whether on the podcast or on the article edition of this podcast, that Kaiserslautern's fans, even in the third tier, have been fantastic. Once again, that was the case in this game. 49,000 fans going to the Fritz Walter Stadion. And, yeah, really impressive for a third tier game. I mean, what, only Sunderland can match that, I think. Either way, it wasn't enough to get a result in the first leg, which brought us on to the second leg. Dinamo Dresden beside him as fighter with home advantage, having taken a draw in the first leg. All of the impetus to go forward and win the second leg and keep their place in the fighter. But they didn't. Dinamo Dresden nil, Kaiserslautern too. With that, Kaiserslautern have been re-promoted to the fighter Bundesliga. And the first thing you need to know about this game is, oh my god, so many flares. Just so, so many flares. Before the game started, the kickoff was interrupted because Kaislauten fans, and I think some Dresden fans, were throwing flares onto the pitch, so it already was a bad start. I'm sure the commentator on the English language broadcast said that Dinamo Dresden's staff had been trying to prevent flares getting into the stadium they've been trying to you know like search everyone and make sure nobody could take any in and they banned something else but i can't remember what it was they banned something because people were using them to carry flares in not bags something else not giant novelty hot dogs i have no idea but yeah it wasn't a great start by either side it carried on the theme from the first leg of neither side looking like they're going to score for love nor money the first half just was not a good affair it was not it was not that enjoyable to watch i mean i was still going to watch it obviously alongside uh, the first episode of bake off professionals for the new series so you know you gotta watch it you gotta watch it controversial opinion i prefer bake off professionals to bake off that's not what this podcast is about maybe it should be but it's not <laughs> the second half luckily was much better and I ended up paying more attention to the second half than I did to bake off the professionals unlike what happened in the first half when it was boring in the second half both sides seemed a lot livelier it looked like one of them finally it looked like one of them was going to score for a change in this matchup that had been going on for at that point for 135 minutes and finally, in the 59th minute, there was a breakthrough. Daniel Hanslick scoring for Kaiserslautern. Good passing play around the box. He hit it just inside the box. Keeper should have done more because he got on, he got a hand to it, and it, you know it wasn't like miles away from his body. I mean, it was kind of an awkward angle because he had to like really reach down to to get the ball. It wasn't like it was particularly his fun, but he still, he got a hand to it, but not enough, and he should have done more. The ball went in, and Kaiserslautern led 1-0. And to be honest, Dresden were really good after that goal. 
they had quite a lot of chances to get level. And to be honest, they would have done if it wasn't for Kai Slout and Keeper Maffeo Varb making a few fantastic saves and a few fantastic saves back to back as well. There was one point where he had three saves in the space of maybe 10 seconds, which was really impressive. And to be honest, he was good for the entire game. Credit to him. He was probably the man of the match. He kept them in the lead. And to be honest, Terence Boyd really should have put the game away in about the, I want to say, 78th minute, though. I did not save it on my on my notes. I should have done. He had the ball crossed to him at the back post, open net, only had to tap it in, and he missed. And to be honest, at that point, I thought, oh my god. If they're not scoring chances like that, and if Dresden keep being as strong as they've been since the goal went in, then they've got no chance. And I feel like if if Dresden had in fact pulled it back and had ended up getting promoted or, or staying in the fighter, I should say, then we would look back at that miss as the defining moment of the entire playoff series. And we would sort of view it as the moment Kai Slauten went from going up to back in the Dritter for another season. But luckily for Terence Boyd, and luckily for Kai Slauten, and luckily for me, because I wanted Kai Slauten to go up, they did get a second in the 92nd minute. Philip Hersher with a cross to tap in. And that was it. It was clear at that point that Kai Slauten would be returning to East Fighter Bundesliga. And Dresden fans reacted to that by throwing a hissy fit through flares. So many flares. The match was delayed somewhere in the region of nine minutes as the flares just kept coming onto the pitch. The staff couldn't do anything about it. At one point, a not insignificant portion of the stand set on fire. It wasn't like, you know, a, a massive fire that covered like 20% of the stands or anything. It's not like they had to evacuate. But it was it was noticeable from the broadcast. And it was one but when I showed my family it, they went, wow, sort of thing. So they were surprised. I mean, you'd be surprised by any size of fire in a stadium, I guess. But it was noticeable. It was reasonably large. It maybe covered about six seats, maybe, maybe a bit more. And that prevented the game from starting again for quite a while. The game didn't go on too longer after... They kicked off again and the full-time whistle went. Kaiserslautern celebrated as they were promoted back to the Spider Bundesliga. Dinamo Dresden solemnly walked down the tunnel. And because there apparently hadn't been enough flares, the Kaiserslautern fans celebrated their promotion with flares. The staff at Dresden doing a simply wonderful job of keeping all the flares out. But then again, it's not like the team did a much better job on the pitch. So let's talk about this game for Kaiserslautern. It's their first time back in the Spider Bundesliga since 2018 and they've been missed and at points it's looked like they were going to go out of existence because their level of debt from when they uh, renovated the Fritz Walter Stadion for the 2006 World Cup it looked like that was going to kill them because they they had to pay off more than they were earning in the Dritterliga but Luckily, they have been promoted back to the Spire, so that's going to help them. And it's so nice to see them back on the road to the Bundesliga. They are such a big club. They're such a historic club. They've won the Bundesliga twice in the last 30 years, or just about. And, yeah, it's really nice to see them back on the way up. And I'm sure trips to Kaiserslautern for Spider fans next year will be absolutely fantastic. So well done to Kai Slauten on their return to the Spider. As for Dinamo Dresden, it's their sixth promotion or relegation since the 2010-11 season. Three promotions, three relegations, and obviously their last promotion came last season, and they've been instantly relegated back to the Dritter. It would be unfair and inaccurate for me to talk about how big of a club Kaiserslautern are 
without then talking about how big of a club Dresden are. And obviously, like I said, I wanted Kaiserslautern to get promoted, but it is worth pointing out that Dresden are the big club, and especially were before the uh, before the unification. And obviously, they'll be gutted again. They're a bigger club than Dritter League level, and it's hard to know how they sort of once they get back up into the Spider, which will happen. They will get promoted to the Spider, maybe not next year, but it will happen eventually. How they solidify themselves at that level, because like most East German clubs, they've really struggled to keep up with West German clubs. Even to this day, we see that divide. And of course, there's one exception, but I highly doubt that Dresden will be bought by an energy drink company anytime soon. But yeah, it's hard to say where they go from here. And of course, the question isn't really what they do now that they've been relegated, per se. Or at least that's not the interesting question. Of course, it is the question for Dresden and their fans. But the main question for me is what they do when they get back to the Spider eventually and how they solidify themselves at that level because they have not found the answer so far. They have not been able to stay in the second tier or higher for more than five years since the unification of Germany. Uh, technically, that's kind of not true just because they spent four years in the Bundesliga after unification, but they had spent a significant period of time before that in the, what was it called, the DDR Oberliga, without getting relegated. So, still, for them not to be able to solidify themselves in the top two tiers since reunification really says a lot about how far Dresden have fallen in this new new is not correct but you know since since unification in the 1990s so we now have the guest list for both the Bundesliga and the Spider Bundesliga a quick reminder that the fixtures for the upcoming 2022-23 season in both the Bundesliga and the Spider Bundesliga, will be coming out on the 17th of June, I believe. The Spider starts mid-July, maybe the 15th. Obviously slightly earlier than usual uh, to accommodate the uh, World Cup in a country that makes me sad that it's hosting the World Cup. And the Bundesliga starts on the 5th of August. So there are some key dates for the upcoming 2022-23 season in German football. If you want to know about the Dritte League, then look it up because I've not seen and I forgot to look before starting this podcast, you know, because it's very professional and stuff. So we know the guest list for the Bundesliga and for the Spider Bundesliga, but there are key managerial movements that we need to know. I mentioned this in the last episode, I was going to do them all in one go. And here we are. Obviously, there's been more firings than hirings so far because some teams are still looking for their next manager. But at the moment, seven managers have departed their club and five have come into a club. So let's go in the order I've written them down in this document. Starting off at Augsburg, Marcus Weinziel will not be back with the club for the upcoming 2022-23 season. Obviously, Augsburg did not have a good season last season. They finished 14th, only five points clear of Hertha Berlin. And to be honest, I don't know if they could have expected overly more than they got in the end, but clearly they did expect more and they will be moving on. They've not hired a manager as of the recording of this podcast, so by the time you'll listen to it, that, of course, could be different. And to be honest, at the moment, I don't have many views on it. I don't think it's a massively unfair sacking, though I don't think it was an obvious dismissal to make. And I think it really depends on who they can bring in for the upcoming season because the answer ends up being just some random guy then I don't think it would have been worth it but if they can get somebody really good in then it will be obviously better that's an arm's day to be obvious there but to be honest there are hirings and firings that I do have opinions on and some that I don't and it's dependent on what they do next and this is one of them let's go on to a firing that I have way more opinions on and that is at Borussia Dortmund Borussia Dortmund quite surprisingly announced the firing of Marco Rosa and have announced the rehiring 
of Erdin Terzic, the man who took them to DFB Pokal success in 2021. I I have opinions on this. So we were doing the Beautiful Game podcast at the time that Marco Verza was announced as the upcoming Borussia Dortmund manager for this season. Obviously, Erdin Terzic was in temporary charge at the time and we knew that he would only be going through to the end of that season. He then won the DFB Pakal got Dortmund into the Champions League, did a, a very good job considering the situation he was in. And the narrative at the time was that they were going to let Terzic go off, learn more about being a manager, handling the pressure of being a manager, and then come back when he's ready. Because we have to acknowledge that last year wasn't a normal year for Dortmund. And by that I mean 2020-21, not the season that's just finished. Terzic had a lower bar to clear and players who were more than capable of clearing it. All he had to do was game a Champions League and even if they had not won the DFB Pokal, which they obviously did, it would have been seen as a success how Terzic had handled the pressure. So they decided they needed a better manager long term. They turned to Marco Rosa, who was obviously doing very well at Borussia Mönchengladbach at the time he was hired. And... It's not been a massive success. Dortmund have failed to show up in games they really should have shown up in. Like I said at the time, I think the loss to Rangers in the Europa League is one of the most embarrassing results in the club's history. I'm sure there are Dortmund historians who would uh, more than disagree with that, but that's just my, my opinion. And there were times this season where they really struggled to even show up and put in a basic performance. From that perspective, it's understandable. It's not like Marco Rosa was sending the world alight, and it's not like they looked like competing for the title for most of the season. There's a few sliding door moments. I particularly think of the game against Bayern Munich, the first game, the Felix Zweier game, as it's gone on to be known as because of what happened with him, where if Dortmund come out of that game with a win, which they should have done, maybe the season pans out a bit differently. I don't, I don't think it would have, in all fairness. So, it wasn't a fantastic season, but there were building blocks for the better future. And listening to the club at the end of the season, it sounded like all parties were convinced on going forward. You know, you had you had Rosa, the head of the club, going, he's not leaving. And Marco Rosa going, I'm committed to the Dortmund project. But then you had Rosa a couple of days later going, when I was in those meetings with, with the higher-ups, it became clear that I did not have the 100% backing of 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 them of Borussia Dortmund and with what's happened since I think the narrative on Rosa and the season they've had has significantly changed because if they had gone out and hired I'm just gonna throw a name out there Marcelo Bielsa which I would have loved if they had hired Marcelo Bielsa then the narrative of this season would have been Rosa came in and just underperformed and they decided that they wanted to go a different way with a different manager and that's fine, everything's fine and dandy, and there's no controversy, and there's no real discussion around what's happened. But they hired Terzic, and we'll get on to Terzic later, but I now think the narrative, because of that, has changed to they never gave Rosa any help in the first place. He wasn't allowed to bring in his own players, he wasn't allowed to dictate transfer policy, he wasn't allowed to dictate a lot that a manager should be. They clearly weren't interested in helping him long-term in the first place, and Rosa came to realise that at the end of the season and decided to agree to parting ways and Dortmund brought back the manager they shouldn't have sacked. And, and that's one of my big problems with the decision they've made. I, I wasn't sure, I was sort of on the fence about them sacking Rosa. I couldn't tell if it was a great idea or a terrible idea or somewhere in between. A lot of Dortmund fans at the time were acting rather negatively. They've, uh, they've, they're backing Terzic now. Which obviously isn't a surprise, they're a loyal fan base, and Terzic is a nice person. And it's important to note that Terzic is a nice person, because what I'm going to say next isn't going to be great to him. I don't think this is a good hiring. I I worry about this significantly. And maybe it's because I'm a pessimist, maybe it's because I want Dortmund to do well, but I, I don't see it. When he came in, he had a fairly simple job and players who were receptive to listening to him because it was a temporary basis. And all he had to do was get that Dortmund side into the top four 
which I know the results they pulled out was impressive, but getting them into the top four wasn't significant and wasn't a significant challenge. And of course, they then won the DFE Pacal, which was impressive, but eh. And he is going to be dealing with a weaker squad. Obviously, there's no Erling Haaland. That Terzic side relied a lot on Jaden Sancho. And he's not going to have Jaden Sancho either. They wanted him to, you know, go away for a bit and learn the ropes of management. Instead, what he's done is sign the front office for a year. Who knows what he's been doing during that time. Maybe he's been really getting his hands dirty. Maybe he's been completing Sudoku and crosswords and not doing much else. But I wanted to see him go to another club first and, you know, sort of give himself that chance to work on some of his managerial habits. This is his first permanent football manager post that he's ever had. Because obviously his stint at Borussia Dortmund last time was temporary. And I don't see it working out. I think he should have had time to go to another club, learn the ropes, learn how to be a proper football manager and then come back to Dortmund, which he was always going to do. So it's not only that it's uh, that this timing has turned the narrative on the Marco Rosa era, era, what do you call it, era? I don't know. One year's not really an era. But the Marco Rosa era's narrative has completely changed and Terzic is going to be under a lot more pressure to deliver this time around because they clearly thought this season wasn't acceptable. And for a lot for a lot of it, it wasn't. They had that humiliating loss to Rangers in the Europa League. They were knocked out by St. Pauli in the DFB Pokal. Great game. And they disappointed in the league and they put in a lot of bad performances in the league. Terzic is going to be under a lot of pressure to change that now. And I would love to say they're going to give him time, but they didn't give us a time. So why would they give Terzic time? I know he's more preferred at the football club, but at some point they are going to start looking and going, have we just hired someone who's not good enough? I mean, I know we like him, but he's not really doing a great job. So he's got to hit the ground running for me, and he's got a lot of challenges. That is a Dortmund side who will be better in some regards and worse in other regards, and... Best of luck to him, though, because like I said, he is actually a genuinely really likeable person. And I want him to succeed, and obviously I do like Dortmund, so I want them to succeed as well, but I am not sure. With with the options that are available on the market, they should have at least tried to get someone like Pochettino. I would have loved to be Elsa, but uh, there are a few other names being floated about who would have been quite good. Maybe try and get Jurgen Klopp back. We're going to get Jurgen Klopp back. Like, I, I know I much prefer Dortmund over Liverpool, but I, I know that wasn't going to happen. It's fine. I'm over it. But yeah, best of luck to him, but mm, man, I'm not sure about this one. Let's talk about Marco Rosa's replacement at Mönchengladbach because Adi Hutter was also fired after a very underwhelming season. This was a team who were meant to build on what happened in 2020-21 and they didn't at all didn't happen and they finished 10th in the end on 45 points and that's more than Hutter's former employers did at Frankfurt but Frankfurt won the Europa League so it really didn't matter and also if you remember he was he was close to getting sacked midway through the season after that humiliating 3-0 loss away at Hanover in the DFB Pokal which was 3-0 going on for 20-0 they were dominated in that game. The scoreline is actually quite generous to them. Yeah, it wasn't a great season for Adi Hutter. After what happened with Frankfurt last year as well, I, I think I said this at the time. I've on the Beautiful Game podcast with an article. I said, with how the season at Frankfurt collapsed for him, he's got to make sure the Munch and Gladbach role ends up being a success for him. And he didn't at all. Yeah. Bar that 5-0 win against Bayern, which was the absolute pinnacle of the Hutter, again, is not the right word, but, you know, Hutter regime at Mönchengladbach. They didn't really do much. They weren't notable. They had a lot of bad moments there. Defending, Jan Sommer is a fantastic keeper, but if you don't do anything to help him, it's not going to work out. And that's what happened. Their defending was abysmal for most of the season as well. They conceded more goals than all but two sides with 61 goals 
conceded in 34 games. And yeah, simply not acceptable. You expect way more. Munchengladbach, another side who have not hired a manager as of the recording of this podcast. Though it'll be interesting to see where they go. There are a lot of rumours linking them to Lucien Favre, who of course did really well when he was last at Borussia Mönchengladbach. Nearly said Borussia Dortmund, Lucien Favre did not do well at Borussia Dortmund. <laughs> oh God. But uh, I'd love to tell them beyond the ways up, but it really isn't. I think Favre would be a decent hiring though. So we'll have to see where they go after this podcast has been recorded. Another manager leaving, Sebastian Hernes is leaving Hoffenheim, and that's not a particular surprise. Remember back in February when we started this podcast, by the way, if you're new here, I, I use we as a force of habit. It's not the royal we, it's just, I just keep saying we and Roman say I. But then again, I, I like to feel, think that you're involved if you're listening to this. So when, when the podcast first started up, Back in February, Hoffenheim were genuine contenders for the Champions League. And then everything went to hell. And it truly went to hell. Since their win against Köln on the 6th of March, they have picked up three points in nine games. Which, for a side competing for Champions League spot, isn't exactly great. One of them points came against Bayern Munich. Yay. And of course, they topped it off on the last day by losing 5-1 to Adi Hutter and Borussia Mönchengladbach, who of course are no longer together. Yeah, I'm not particularly surprised. When when a side go on that sort of slump, after being such a strong contender for the Champions League places, you can't really complain with a decision. We'll get on to who they've hired later on in the podcast. Final manager to mention before we move on to hirings, Wolfsburg have parted ways with Florian Koifald. Not a surprise, they were close to relegation all year than they were to Europe. They, do you remember, they started this season in the Champions League. Technically they started this season with a 2-0 loss to Prussian Munster and the DFB Pakal after they'd used six substitutes which they weren't allowed to use. So... That's how it starts the season. But they were in the Champions League. They finished in the Champions League places last season. And this year, they, for the most part, just looked like a side who were really going to struggle against the drop. And, you know, Koifal had a decent start to his time at Wolfsburg. But after that, I think I wrote it in one of the article versions of this show. They were doing a worryingly good impression of his Werder side from last year, who of course went on a massive skid at the end of the year to go from middle of the table to relegated. And they have survived, but survived comfortably in the end. They finished 12th on 42 points, same number of points as Eintracht Frankfurt, but again, Eintracht Frankfurt won the Europa League, so it doesn't matter. Koifaltz... Wolfsburg side, for the most part, looked as as miserable and depressing as Corey Fouts' Verda side. And it absolutely is the correct call to get rid of him. They should have been doing a lot better. I know they lost Fout uh, Veghorst, but they had enough talent to do a lot better. And, of course, Max Kruse coming in as well midway through the season. So, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Wolfsburg have hired a new manager already, but we'll go on to that in a bit. Let's move on to hirings then. Let's talk about the hirings we've not mentioned. Uh, one of the managers I didn't mention who has left his club is Stefan Leitl, who is leaving Goethe Firth. He's already in a new job. He has taken the Hanover job. He is replacing Christoph Dabrowski, who obviously has been part of the furniture at Hanover for a while. Uh, he took over on temporary charge after they sacked Jan Zimmerman in December and then they gave him the job until the end of the season and now he's stepping back down again so that Lytle can come in and I think it's a great hire. It's worth mentioning that for for those who don't watch the Svita and saw Firth get promoted from the Svita into the Bundesliga but didn't know much about it other than that, Firth were expected to be close to relegation in the Svita the year they got promoted than they were to the promotion places, and a lot of the reason as to why they got promoted was the talent of Stefan Leitl as the manager. So he is definitely a man who can get sides out of the Zweite Bundesliga, and I think he's an incredible hire for Hanover. 
last summer, a lot of Hanover fans were very negative about the direction the club was going in. I think they've got significantly more reason to be positive entering this off-season. If we can make some good signings, then that will be even better. So, best of luck to Lytle at Hanover. I think he will be a great success. Hopefully, that is not the kiss of death for him. <laughs> and speaking of Goitifer, they've replaced Lytle with a new manager of their own. Mark Snyder will be taking over at Goitifer for the upcoming season in the Society Bundesliga. And I'll be honest, I don't know who he is. I've read his Wikipedia, and I'm sure he's great, but there's not much about him. He has mostly been in the Swiss game. He played, I think, all of his career in Switzerland. So he's been a Tun, I guess that's how you say that, Tun which is a club he's managed as well, but then he was also at Jurvik, St. Gallen and Young Boys. So his managerial career isn't massive. It, he's been managing for five years now. He managed Tun. I think that's how you say it. But he managed them for three years, then was let go. He then took over at Vasland Beveren, who are a side in the Belgium First Division B, which is the second tier of the Belgian game. And he has decided to leave that job after one year for the Greuther Firth job. Which is an understandable move. The Belgian second tier not as big as the German second tier. I have no idea how he's going to do. He's 41, so he's young for a football manager. But best of luck to him. I, I have nothing against him. How could I? I know nothing about him. Except for what I've seen on Wikipedia. Hoffenheim have already announced their new manager as well, and it's Andre Breitenreiter, who does have a longer stint in management. He's been around the block quite a lot. His last job, a one-year stint at FC Zurich, who he has left for the Hoffenheim job. Before that, though, he has been around in the German game quite a bit. Three years at Hanover, two years at Schalke, three years at Paderborn and three years at Havalsi. So he has managed a bit before, as well as that over 400 appearances in the German game. He is still a manager who's on the young side as well, 48. His managerial career is 11 years old. Best of luck to him too, I guess. Again, it's hard to have opinions on, on these sort of, of managers because I... I was not into German football enough in 2019 to know what he was like at Hanover. My my apologies for that. Final one to mention then, Niko Kovac has got the job at Wolfsburg. Kovac is obviously a name well known to German football fans, mostly for his stint at Eintracht Frankfurt when he won the DFB Pokal and his stint at Bayern Munich where he did win the Bundesliga but was less successful comparatively. And of course, his uh, last game managing Germany was a 5-1 loss to Eintracht Frankfurt. Though his stint at Bayern is not an overall reflection on what he's like as a manager, I think it's an incredibly good hire for Wolfsburg. I think he's really good with younger players. He plays a good style of football. I think this is a good move, and it's very different to hiring Florian Koifout, who plays a more defensive style of football and doesn't seem good at coaching anyone. I'm joking. I'm sure he's great. But uh, Niko Kovac, I think, is an incredibly good hire for Wolfsburg. And I look forward to watching him next year and his style of football back in the Bundesliga. That was meant to be where this podcast was going to end. But there are three more stories I want to touch upon before wrapping up this podcast very quickly. First of all, to focus on my own German club, St. Pauli. They've announced that Simon Mackinock will not be returning for the 2022-23 season. Mackinock has been a wonderful player for St. Pauli. He's scored some very big goals, obviously scored twice in the last Hamburg derby at the Milan Tour. And to be honest, when you have a player signed for a club, especially a club like St. Pauli, you really want them to buy into the culture of the club and buy into what makes the club special. And every football fan wants that, obviously, but... Mackinock really did buy into what made St. Pauli such a special football club. He was perfectly aligned with St. Pauli as a club and contributed fantastically to the team as well. My annoyance with this announcement isn't so much that Mackinock is leaving 
But the fact that it should have been known before the final home game of the season against Fortuna Dusseldorf, so the fans could give him a proper send-off. I don't know why they didn't announce it before. I don't know if the plan was going into that game to keep him for next season and things have changed since. But if that's not the case, then he really should have been allowed to have that big final goodbye with the St. Pauli fans. It's quite disappointing that he didn't get that opportunity to wave goodbye. Kind of like what Grisha Permel had with Union Berlin last weekend when he got to have the big send-off before the game. That would have been really nice. Just two stories on Bayer Leverkusen that came out between me finishing that recording and doing the editing of that recording. First of all, they've signed Adam Hrozek from Sparta Prague, the 19-year-old striker, 13 million euros plus add-ons, one of the more exciting younger talents in the European game. Very good move for them and, you know, with the other players they've got... They've shown a tremendous ability to improve younger players, make them better. And obviously with Gerardo Serwani there as manager, that's only going to remain the case for years to come. And to be honest, part of me at the time thought the reason they were signing him was because they were getting prepared to move on from Patrick Schick, who has, for my money, been the best striker of the Bundesliga behind Robert Lewandowski, of course. He's been exceptional, I thought. There's no way they're going to be able to keep hold of him. But an announcement shortly after that confirmed that Schick will, in fact, be staying at Bayer Leverkusen. He's signed a new contract through to the summer of 2027. And furthermore, just because it apparently is Christmas in Leverkusen, there is apparently no release clause in that contract either. So, incredible for Bayer Leverkusen to keep their star man and Patrick Schick is just going to continue to blossom into an absolutely amazing talent whilst he's at Bayer Leverkusen. If Robert Lewandowski does leave Bayern Munich this summer, then Patrick Schick will be the star striker in the Bundesliga. He already is a star striker in the Bundesliga, but he will be the man in the Bundesliga, in my opinion. A great move and it's so fantastic that we Bundesliga fans get to watch him for many more years to come, it would seem. Anyway, that is all the time we have on Going Deutsch this week. It's been fantastic to be back doing this in podcast form like I did last week. There are going to be two more podcasts to wrap up the 2021-22 season in Germany. First of all, a podcast reviewing every team in the Bundesliga, and then a podcast reviewing every team in the Zweite Bundesliga. So, look forward to those i hope to see you for those podcasts but for the time being i've been alex Woodward. until we meet next time i'll read us in